Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. This is the most important question, and really the only question, that should ever be asked of a presidential candidate. I'll talk about it on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. Purchase a class or 20 there. You keep this podcast free of charge. You also get really awesome content. I've got so many good classes there, and they make great Christmas gifts. If you're on my email list, you've already gotten the Black Friday special for 2023. It's a really good deal. In fact, it's the lowest price you're going to see in 2023. So head on over to brianmcclanahan.com, get on the email list, or go to mcclanahanacademy.com, enroll free of charge, get the free class 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll, and of course you're going to get those emails with that coupon in it. They make great gifts for you or anyone else that listens to this show. Of course you can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com, go to Spotify for podcasters, or click on the uh, super thanks button under the video if you're watching on YouTube. It's another great way to do it. Right, so you got three ways there to support the show financially. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. All right. Well, if you didn't watch it, and I didn't watch it either, uh, you'll know that we had a Republican debate this past week. And um, actually a couple of days ago, I was recording this and putting it out there. So we had a Republican debate, and we know that Donald Trump wasn't there. So it was the debate between the also-rans. Because if Trump is not indicted, or I should say is not convicted, he's already been indicted, if he's not convicted of anything, uh, I believe that Trump is going to get the nomination. Even if he is convicted of something, I still believe Trump is going to get the nomination. And I say that because, look, the Supreme Court, and as I said this, this week with the issue of the 14th Amendment. I do believe the Supreme Court is going to uh, is going to keep Trump on the ballot. Now, that has nothing to do, of course, with the issue in New York or maybe even in Georgia with uh, you know voter fraud or whatever else we're, we're looking at, the issue in, in New York with his business dealings. We know that's a kangaroo court. But again, he's going to appeal that too. I think that Trump is going to come out of this unscathed, and I really do believe that Trump is going to be stronger for it politically because he's going to be able to stand up there and say, hey, look, all these people wanted me out. They hate me so much. They're afraid of me so much that they did everything they could. They threw everything at me. And yet, here I am. It is a powerful political message. In fact, what the Democrats are doing unknowingly is creating a political martyr out of this. 
So I do think Trump comes out of it and uh, unscathed, at least politically. That's my prediction. Now, it could be wrong. Trump could get convicted of something. He could go to jail. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But the fact is, I don't think the 14th Amendment issue is going to stick. You've got, I think, Michigan now trying to decide if they're going to just unilaterally move them from the ballot. They can't do that. Uh, the, the 14th Amendment is really clear, and it's something I didn't say in that 14th Amendment episode. But if you look at Section 5 of the 14th Amendment, it says Congress has to enforce all of this. So state courts can't do it. The federal courts can't do it. It is Congress. This is what Sam, uh, Salmon P. Chase eventually figured out. I mean, he gave Jefferson Davis the out so he could get... Uh, so the secession uh, uh, trial, the treason trial, really was a secession trial, wouldn't go away that Chase feared, and that would be secession would be vindicated. But uh, So Jefferson Davis was able to use it to his advantage. However, Chase then later said, well, I think it needs to be done through Congress. I mean, this it has to be... Congress has to be involved in this because of Section 5. So if Congress doesn't declare that there was an insurrection, if Congress doesn't disqualify someone, well, then we're not looking at a situation where Trump will be removed from the ballot. I mean, it's that simple. So we had the Republican debate. And, of course, if you've seen any of the highlights from this, and that's all I've watched, too, because, again, I'm not going to sit there and watch two hours of these also-rans. However, Vivek Ramswamy has made a lot of news, and I think he is, without question, the most passionate candidate on stage. Now, would he get the nomination? No. I don't think Ram Swamy would get the nomination because the Republican Party is ridiculous. Uh, but that I mean, look, Ron DeSantis is overall better than Ram Swamy in, in many ways. Uh, Nikki Haley, you can't trust anything Nikki Haley says. Anybody that votes for Nikki Haley that knows anything about South Carolina would never vote for Nikki Haley ever. They would run as far as they could from Nikki Haley. And I'm surprised by how Nikki Haley has has done according to the polling data in these debates. And that's because most people don't know anything about her. I mean, this is the woman that capitulated in 2015. This is the woman that had so many scandals about her own personal life that she couldn't she couldn't deal with them all. I mean, she is in many ways a despicable person. And, of course, she later became ambassador to the U.N. She wanted to use that as a springboard into the presidency. But that's the most important thing we need to talk about because the most important question that any of these candidates were asked during that ridiculous debate was foreign policy. If you look at Article 2 of the Constitution, it's pretty clear the president's primary job is head of state. The president receives ambassadors, diplomats. The president essentially sets foreign policy. Though he does have advice and consent of the Senate, they don't really do anything with that anymore. Uh, the Senate hasn't really been involved in any treaties or anything else in years. We have executive agreements now between foreign powers, and those executive agreements then have the force of law, essentially. This is what's happened in the United States. And I've talked about that in Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. Those executive agreements are essentially decrees from the king. I mean, the king is now, the king of the United States is now setting foreign policy without any consent from the Congress, and it's it's completely unconstitutional. But the president now acts unilaterally. We know the president is the most important foreign policy official. Everything else, domestic policy, should never be asked of the candidate to the presidency. The president can make recommendations to Congress, and so, of course, you could say, well, I could make a recommendation to Congress that we should do this. 
But it really doesn't matter. If the Congress passes legislation that's constitutional, the president should sign it. Now, we know that almost everything that comes out of Congress now is unconstitutional. <clears throat> They're doing all kinds of ridiculous things. Just this last week, Congress passed a bill, the House Representatives passed a bill, that would allow for the, or mandate, that every new vehicle produced after 2025 has a kill switch in it. So, <laughs> so the car can just be turned off by a remote location. You just turn off your car. I mean, why are they doing that? That's a real and interesting question. Congress, this is in the kill switch clause in the Constitution, right? Now, I'm sure they'll find a way to justify this based on commerce, because if you get in your car and you drive your car down the road and then you drive from one state to the next, you're engaged in commerce. And we know it doesn't have to be interstate commerce. It can be intrastate commerce because of where it could be Filburn, right? We know that the general government believes it can regulate anything that might be considered commerce. If you enroll in how the Supreme Court screwed up America, and I know a lot of you did enroll in that class, but if you're still looking for it, you can get it on a Black Friday deal. If you enroll in that class, I talk about some of these egregious Commerce Clause cases because that's how the general government has figured out it can do anything it wants, the Commerce Clause. I mean, this is, this is an open secret now. Well, we'll just call it Commerce and then we're good to go. But I mean, it's ridiculous. It was never the intent of the Commerce Clause. So another president shouldn't do anything with that, right? The president shouldn't be involved in any domestic policy. The president doesn't have any role in that except for signing legislation that Congress passes and making recommendations. But foreign policy, that's it. So over on uh, the Glenn Beck Twitter feed, Glenn Beck produced a thread that addressed what each one of these Republican candidates has to say about avoiding World War III. So if you said, candidate X, how are you going to avoid World War III? These were the, these were the responses of four individuals. Now, we don't have Joe Biden's response. We don't have Donald Trump's response. Uh, we don't have uh, Chris Christie's response or Ron DeSantis's response. DeSantis would be the interesting one. I think DeSantis is trying to avoid foreign policy right now. Now, he's come out and said that, well, I mean, he's, he's taken kind of a, a, a pseudo-Trumpian position on foreign policy. But Ron DeSantis has always been an aggressive foreign policy hawk. I mean, this guy was right in line with you know, Bush-like foreign policy, a Biden-like foreign policy. He'd always supported that. And that's the real danger. Any of these people get into Washington, D.C., where you already have the establishment there, it's ingrained, and they basically, inertia means they have to follow this policy. Now, Trump was able to buck the trend a little bit. Not as much as you would like, probably, but a little bit. And so this becomes rather interesting because, uh, you know, Trump was the most refreshing foreign policy president of the last half century. This is why the establishment doesn't really want him. Because they can't do what they want, which is foreign adventurism. And you won't have, as Vivek Ramswamy pointed out in the debate, Nikki Haley making all kinds of money on the, in the defense industry, the, uh, the way that many politicians have made money, right? And this is what Eisenhower pointed out right as he left office. Uh, the industrial complex, the defense industrial complex, which is going to make a lot of people rich and, uh, and in some ways drives American foreign policy. 
if you can have all these allies, what, what is NATO good for? RFK Jr. asks a question, and I'm going to read some of the quotes. He asks a question, why do we have NATO? I'll tell you why we have NATO. Because it makes people in America a lot of money. Now, the United States, the taxpayers, are burdened with it because we spend a lot of money defending Europe. But, you know who does make all the money? You see, all that money that taxpayers spends goes into the pockets of industrial defense contractors, right? It goes into these people. These people's pockets, lobbyists, everything else. Nikki Haley's a millionaire because of defense contracting. So that's who makes the money. We have NATO because we need to sell airplanes and tanks and bombs and firearms. That's why we have alliances, to make money for the defense industry. That's it. All of these alliances work well for people to make money. And when you look at uh, the votes in Congress, typically, when it comes time to discuss defense contracts and how much money we spend on the defense budget. Well, look at where these people are. The people that are opposed to cutting defense spending are all in military districts because they want to slop for their people, right? I mean, they want to, for these people to slop at the trough. It's a form of welfare. We know that a lot of soldiers who don't really make a lot of money, I mean, that's the sad, the people making the money are the defense contractors. The soldiers who don't really make a lot of money, some of them are even on welfare, I mean, it's really sad when you think about it. But the, the fact is, we've got a huge industry that is pushing American foreign policy and, and by default, driving, in many ways, a good portion of the federal budget. That's why we have NATO. That's why we have alliances. This is why it all is there. And I remember when I was in, an undergraduate, I had a friend of mine who was, uh, we were all Republicans and rah-rah Republicans. And there was a political science professor there. I've talked about some of these. I had all leftist political sciences professors as an undergraduate. All of them. There wasn't one that wasn't. But they were at least honest leftists, unlike you would find today when it came to foreign policy. And there was one, and I remember this, this guy telling me he had a debate with this individual after a class, his professor. And the professor said, look, the problem with American the American government right now, in, in terms of the Republican Party, is that they haven't realized World War II is over, that we've been on a World War II footing since the end of World War II. Now, this isn't, this isn't the Republicans. The Democrats were fully on board with this, and let me tell you, they still are. I mean, Harry Truman is the one that really did. Look, Franklin Roosevelt's president during World War II. We have the ramp-up of the American defense industry because of Democrats, but the Republicans, who are seeking to conserve Franklin Roosevelt's legacy, that's what, look, when it comes down to it, the Republican Party is conserving the New Deal. That's what they're doing, and they're conserving World War II America. That's what they want, World War II America. That America's gone, number one. Demographically, it's gone. But number two, why would you want to conserve that? It's the real question, but that's what they want to do. And so they're, this is why they're just Democrat lights. I mean, this is all they are, and this is why they love the establishment and why they, as Ram Swamy pointed out, why they have Democrats moderating the debate. And this is what they do. Okay? So Repub the Republican Party is just Dewey against Truman. Just trim around the edges. It's Eisenhower, compassionate conservatism. That's all it is. Just trim around the edges on the New Deal a little bit. Leave it in place. I mean, look, they could have killed Obamacare. They didn't do it. Why? Because they like it. They could have done all kinds of things. They didn't do it. Why? Because they like these things too. But they know that a good portion of the American public doesn't, so they 
at least rhetorically sound like they're not going to do it. So anyways, let's get into this foreign policy question. What would you do to prevent World War III? The most important question that could ever be asked of any candidate, right? And this is, this is how uh, Glenn Beck phrased it. He said, I asked six GOP presidential candidates, as well as RFK Jr., how they would avoid World War III and address some of our biggest foreign policy issues. Four of them responded by our deadline. Here are some of the highlights. So first he has Vivek Ramaswamy. And Ramaswamy said this, Avoiding World War III is a vital national objective. We do that by focusing on American interests and not making the same foreign policy mistakes of the past. We have a political class in this country sleepwalking us into world war. The same people who got us into endless wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Wars that cost trillions, killed millions, and made corrupt politicians billions. War is hell unless you're a politician who collects favors and shares for every bomb dropped. And this is true. I mean, this is the most honest statement you would find. He is 100% right about this. This is why Ram Swamy really is, as the also-rans, the best candidate on the stage. Without question, if DeSantis would say this exact same thing, I would say that DeSantis would probably be there too. But all the others are a joke. Now, RFK Jr. is going to say similar things, but RFK Jr. is dangerous. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I've said it, I'm not, I'm suspicious of RFK Jr. in terms of what he wants with domestic policy. I mean, look, this is a guy that, he's a Kennedy, after all. But I understand why he is getting some attention because of foreign policy. There are Democrats that don't like the warfare state. There are Democrats that don't like neoconservative foreign policy, which is all that Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and all these people want. There are Democrats that don't like that stuff. And so RFK Jr. would be attractive to them. He's also attractive to a lot of Republicans who don't like this stuff either. But of course, domestically, I mean, it's, I mean, you see this with Tulsi Gabbard. These people are right on foreign policy. It is the most important thing that we can talk about for a presidential candidate. So Ramaswamy continued, he said, it's simple. The sole duty of U.S. policymakers is to U.S. citizens. Avoiding World War III is a vital national objective, and war is never a preference, only a necessity. These three truths are included in the pledge every appointee to my administration will need to sign, the No to Neocons Pledge. I mean, I love that. Can we say no to West Coast Straussians too? Which, that would disqualify Ram Swamy in many ways. But can we say no to West Coast Straussians? Look, let's get rid of the neocons, let's get rid of the West Coast Straussians, and let's have real conservatives in power. That would be great. As president, I will keep us out of World War III, we'll achieve peace through strength and prosperity through peace. I mean, right, this is, you know, this is what Ron Paul became famous for when, of course, he was on the stage, the debate stage, and sparring with Rudy Giuliani and John McCain and all these dopes. Uh, I mean, look, Paul, Paul's American first foreign policy, it's, it's Pat Buchanan back in 1992. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. It is the strongest foreign policy position the Republican Party could advocate. They could clearly differentiate themselves from the Democrats by doing this. If you want peace in the world, vote Republican. If you want war, vote Democrat. I've said this before on the show. I had a, a sergeant in the U.S. military uh, come up to me after class one day, and he said, you know, if we want war, we'll vote Democrats because Democrats are always the ones that, uh, you know, engage in wars. Republicans 
will uh, will cascade you toward it, but the ones that will really get you there are the Democrats. And he had been, you know, in the military for 30 years. That was his point. So then they asked Tim Scott. Now, I don't even know why Tim Scott's even on the debate stage. The guy is a moron. But uh, here's what Tim Scott had to say. Quote, The last few weeks have been the clearest possible reminder that Republicans must win back the White House in 2024. They're the clearest. So, okay. The last few weeks is clear why Republicans need to win the White House. And here's why. Joe Biden has made America weak on the world stage. (laughs) Not the past few weeks are clear because Joe Biden's going to get us into war. No, no, no. It's because we're weak. American hesitation, American weakness smells like one thing to bad actors. It smells like blood in the water. (laughs) You can't make this up. He said it. Our real problem is that America's not strong enough on the world stage. We don't have enough bases around the world. We don't have enough money spent on the military. We're not going out there and invading enough countries. We're not doing that. Our nation's foreign policy should be built on the premise that we are loyal to our allies and Israel, I'm sorry, and lethal, I'm sorry, well, I, it looked like I was going to say Israel, and lethal to our adversaries. Safety takes readiness and resolve. Security requires strength. President Reagan once said of the four wars in his lifetime, none came about because the United States was too strong. President Reagan said this. Well, he's dropped the Reagan thing now. Oh, yeah, okay, so we're the party of Reagan. So there we go, yeah, Jim Scott. So in other words, he doesn't have an original thought in his body. Uh, we need we need to spend lots of money on the military. Lots and lots and lots of money. Billions, if not trillions, on the military. The new axis of evil of China, Russia, and Iran. Is, is, is China. I mean, it's, so we have a new... Now, there's George W. Bush. We have a new axis of evil. And so these people are evil, right? What have they just done? They dehumanized those three places... Russians are evil, the Chinese are evil, the Iranians are evil. Now, granted, these people can do bad things. But Ram Swamy was right. I mean, our, 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 what we should be doing is trading with all these people and, and working this stuff out. Why is it during the four years that Trump was in office, we didn't have any of these crises that we're looking at right now? Because that's what he was essentially doing. We saw that weakness in the White House invites violence under President Obama and now with President Biden. We can change that with a new president. As commander-in-chief, I will ensure that the United States is capable and ready to engage in conflict on three different continents at the same time. (laughs) What? As president, I'm going to avoid World War III by preparing for World War III. I'm going to avoid World War III by ensuring that we can engage and fight World War III. This is his answer. Tim Scott should should have zero in terms of any support. Zero. Zero. He's awful. Unlike Biden, I will not deter and abandon our allies. World War II was won through the unity of the allied nations by cultivating a sense of trust and relying on each other's strengths. To prevent World War III from happening, we must strengthen existing coalitions of like-minded partners and bring others to our cause. So we need to expand American, again, we need more basis. We need more boots on the ground. We need more American money around the world. That will stop World War III. Why don't we just, look, here's what we need to do. 
to Tim Scott, we need to go in and invade China, Russia, and Iran. Just take out those governments, make them proxy states of the United States, and then we don't have World War III. You see? So then there was a question. Why should the United States continue to support the UN? And so Ramswamy says this, the UN is a pathetic organization. I am reevaluating America's continued involvement in the morally compromised globalist enterprise. I mean, what a great response. Now, I'm sure Nikki Haley doesn't like that. Uh, you know, because that's... That was, and, and, of course, she's going to sound very much like Tim Scott when she responds. Uh, Beck asked, uh, the, asked Robert F. Kennedy Jr., what about NATO? And Kennedy Jr. said this, NATO is a relic of the Cold War and has become an instrument of imperialism. Its paranoid provocations of Russia have created that country as the very enemy it fears. It is time to undo that way of thinking and disband NATO in an orderly fashion uh, with concessions from Russia and the Ukraine and other places. So concurrent concessions, right? So, oh, I mean, look, R.F. Kennedy Jr. is right about that. Donald Trump said this. The very famous image, it's one of the best images out of the Trump administration. We're sitting with his hands cro- arms crossed and uh, Merkel and all these other world leaders are, are hectoring him over the table because Trump, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the epitome of Trump saying, yeah, we're not going to give you a dime. you got to start supporting yourself. Oh, and the world leaders are really upset about that. Americans should love this stuff. But according to polling data, Nikki Haley won the debate. This shows you how bad the Republican Party really is. A third of the Republicans said that. Now, I think if uh, oh, the people that watched, right? And of course, this would probably include a bunch of lefties too who want endless wars and everything else. So now let's get to Nikki Haley. And she's got several, several quotes here. The question is, should Turkey be allowed in NATO? So... What, uh, Glenn, what uh, Nikki Haley says is this. Turkey continues to show why it is not a true partner. It criticizes Israel in outrageous ways. It cozies up to Russia. And it gives comfort to Islamic extremism. America and NATO's relationship with Turkey is under current leadership, under its current leadership, must be reexamined. So that's, I mean, look, we can't, it, it says bad things about Israel. It criticizes Israel in outrageous ways. I wasn't aware Israel was part of the United States. I mean, it's the real 51st state. Ukraine is the 52nd state. That's where we are, right? So uh, this is what, these are our adopted states. We should, look, if, if, if the Republicans and Democrats were honest, they would just put out a resolution in Congress to annex Israel and Ukraine. Let's just have a vote. A joint resolution of Congress annexing Israel and Ukraine as part of the United States. And they could just be part of the United States then. And we could just say, all right, well, here we are. They're, they're now the United States. Um, these are, I mean, there's nothing against that. The United States could annex any state into the United States. It could just be the 51st and 52nd state. And uh, that would be, what, what would happen? I mean, why not? We don't do that because... Of course, well, they're, they're foreign countries. Well, so was Texas. So was California, really. But that's okay. So we just make these, you know, new states. Then the question was to Nikki Haley, do you believe China will soon move on, on Taiwan? And if so, how would you deal with it? 
She says, Iran, Russia, and China are working together. They don't just want to conquer our friends. They ultimately want to destroy America. We can't let that happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, China and Russia. Russia, who can't even defeat the Ukraine. Think about this now. Russia has not been able to defeat the Ukraine. Now, I know that the Ukraine, the entire government, is propped up by American money. This is a real proxy war. But regardless, Russia, the feared Russians, can't even defeat Ukraine. So what makes these dopes think the Russians could actually invade the United States and destroy America? The Chinese who build buildings that fall over. What makes anyone think think that the Chinese or the Russians could do anything? They've got a lot of soldiers, granted, but that could actually invade the United States. You see, we have these two big oceans. It's always been the defense. That's it. What makes anyone think that this could happen? It's just fear-mongering. They want to destroy America. This is just stupid. We should bolster Taiwan's defense. Communist China needs to know it would pay a very steep price by invading Taiwan. Yeah, that we would invade it. The Babylon Bee actually put out a funny little article that's saying, you know, Nikki Haley can't figure out, has, hasn't decided yet which country she wouldn't invade for the United States. This is just a joke. Anyone that wants this woman to be president is a lunatic. America must rely both on uh, what must rely both our uh, our Asian and European allies, or rally I should say, both our Asian and European allies to the cause of containing China's military and technological expansion. When it comes to spreading ourselves too thin, we should start by looking at how Joe Biden is spending spending America into bankruptcy, building a political subsidy economy, and gutting our future by swapping economic freedom for government control. Well, that sounds a lot like Ukraine. I mean, we, we pay for the Ukrainians just to have a state. So look how she pivots there. Well, what about the defense industry? If he hasn't stopped, Biden will leave America unable to lead in this time of crisis. I will bring back a free, flourishing America. We can get our fiscal house in order while modernizing and strengthening our military. We can. We can rev our economy by ditching corporate welfare and regular welfare gone wild. And yes, we can leave China in the dust by embracing America's principles and promoting economic freedom. This is a bunch of gobbledygook talk that she would never do. She's not going to abandon corporate welfare at all. The Congress, and first of all, Nikki Haley as president can't do any of that. The Congress would have to. She can't by decree abandon corporate welfare. Are you going to present then an executive budget that would be so streamlined that you could have Alexander Hamilton with one member, one one employer, two employees of the Treasury Department. Is that what you're going to do? I doubt it. Are you going to cut back the military? Are you going to do these things? No. So this is just gobbledygook talk. It doesn't even make any sense. But this is why this is the most important question. Because Nikki Haley does get something right there at the end when she does attach spending, but she doesn't attach it in the right way. We do need to cut the budget. Ram Swamy was the most accurate in saying we've spent billions on this. Spent trillions on this, actually. Trillions of dollars on foreign adventurism, and we cannot afford to do it anymore. It needs to stop. You want to have a real coalition of Americans that say, yeah, I mean, this is something that all Americans would probably rally around? This is it. This is it. Americans overall, the, the polling data is there. Even you know Nina Turner who's a dope on a lot of things. She's right about this. 80% of Americans 
you know, Democrats, I should say, 80% of Democrats want a ceasefire in the Middle East. Now, of course, these same Democrats have Ukraine flags in their bios, so you can only take that for what it is. But that's the thing. Americans don't want to go to war. In fact, if you were to ask Americans, they would say, no, nah, I think we should probably just trade with these people. Let's just, let's just be friends. We'll just trade with them. I mean, and generally, if you were to ask the average Russian, the average Iranian, the average Ukrainian, the average Israeli, I mean, they're going to say the same thing. Yeah, let's just do this. Now, you've got the, the partisans, the violent people on all these, all these areas, and that makes it a dangerous situation. But for most people, they just want to be able to live their lives and make some money and raise their families and do what they got to do. Live in peace. That's what most people want. So American foreign policy should be driven by peace. And that, out of all these people that responded, Ram Swamy, as a Republican uh, you know, candidate or whatever, is the best. Donald Trump is saying the same things. Ron DeSantis has kind of said these things, but he didn't respond. And neither did Chris Christie. So uh, we don't know what that position is. But this is, I, I applaud Glenn Beck for doing this because it is the most important question that anybody could ask any candidate for president. What is your foreign policy? And if they say Nikki Haley, if they if they say it like Nikki Haley or Tim Scott, they should be they should be run out of town on a rail. Seriously, none of those people should even sniff the executive office. See you next time with the Brian McLean Show. See you then.